Welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in to Rock Church's message. We are so excited that you are here today. We hope that you leave today encouraged and know that you are loved by God. Sometimes you've all but given up. You've like tried everything and it's, it hasn't happened. You've been praying about something, physical healing, emotional healing, depression, a physical need you have and it just hasn't happened. And, and as, I, as people were coming forward this morning, I was thinking to myself, it's happening. Sometimes we don't even understand that we are living the dream. You say, I'm not living the dream with my physical affliction or my marital affliction or my family issue or the thing that I've been praying for doesn't seem to be happening. And God says, no, you are on the path. You are in the middle of what I have planned for you. You can't see this as a good dream. You see this as a nightmare. And God says, no, this is my dream for you. I love good news, bad news type stories. And so I've entitled my talk this morning, Is It Good News or Bad News? It's, it's, it's a matter of perspective this morning and how you see what you are experiencing. Is it good news or is it bad news? Because sometimes we don't picture the thing that we're in the middle of is possibly in any way, shape, or form as being good. And God says, this is good. He's the one that says, this is good for you. Yesterday or last evening were tryouts for, for spring baseball for Josiah, and he's, he's quite sick right now, actually, homesick, and he went anyway to do the, the tryouts for baseball, and there weren't that many kids in his, his age group. And I always think to myself, you might be anticipating something that you really enjoy doing, and it doesn't happen exactly the way you think it should. I remember the story of two baseball players, and they were having a discussion one day about whether there'd be baseball in heaven. And one said, oh, I'm positive there will, and the other said, I don't know if there will or not. We, I guess we'll wait and see. And so they made a pact with each other. They made this agreement that whichever guy died first and went to heaven, that he would somehow come back and share with the other person via a dream or something. So one of them dies, he goes to heaven, and he comes back to his friend and wakes him up and says, hey, 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 you know, I, I, we made this promise to each other, so I wanted to tell you, the good news is there is baseball in heaven. And the guy, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. I can't wait because a lot of you are hoping for these things. Some of you are hoping there are cats in heaven, and I'm positive there aren't. And some are hoping there's dogs in heaven, and I'm positive there are. But, but baseball is a big thing to some people, including my son. So he finds out there's baseball in heaven. Yeah, I got good news. There's baseball in heaven. The bad news is you're pitching Friday. So you never know what's coming, right? You, ne you never quite know for sure what God has planned. We think that this is bad and God says this is good. When you get to Genesis chapter 40, you, you are in the middle of the continuing story of Joseph, who's lived through some pretty traumatic things already. 
And last week we talked about the fact that he ended up after being sold into slavery by his brothers and carried away in a caravan. Potiphar's wife took a liking to him. She had some ideas about what might happen between the two of them. So Genesis 40 unveils that to us. You think back to Joseph's life and he's had, he's had a really good time because he was daddy's favorite. And, that, and that's good. But then his brothers hate his guts and, and that is bad. And so he goes back to his dad and his dad gives him a beautiful coat and that is good. But his brothers rip it off his body, cover it with blood, pretend he's dead, sell him into slavery in a distant land and, and, and that's bad. And then he lands this job in Egypt, Silicon Valley, working for a guy that is actually the captain of the guard to the pharaoh. He is a big shot. He's promised a really good job in the front office. He's entrusted with the entire business, and he sees nothing but elevation in his life. That's good. But then, because he's strikingly handsome and very athletic, Potiphar's wife takes an interest in him physically, and that's bad. And then Joseph resists, knowing that what he should do is honor God by not becoming involved with her, and that's good. But that's not the end of the story. Because you would think, because he did good, that God would honor him and elevate him, but he doesn't. Because there is power in seduction. Power and seduction are deadly in the hands of the wrong person. Joseph was a good man. He resisted. But Potiphar had to make a choice based on his blood rather than what he actually thought. Potiphar, the captain of the guard, I believe, knew already that his wife was not what she ought to be in her loyalty to her husband. I'm sure he had heard rumors of that. And here's how it went down in Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused with me in charge. He told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left the cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Now, I, I was thinking about that because I was thinking how interesting it is that it seems like, and I think Scripture would back this up, that whoever screams first is believed. And she pulls her servants into her seductive spirit, her lying spirit, her covering spirit. She pulls her servants into that and makes them back up 
her story. She set him up. She carefully planned this and set Joseph up. And I just thought to myself, this is kind of how seductiveness and destruction work. She seductively lies in wait for you. She mentally lies physically with you. And then she destructively lies about you. That's pretty much how the devil works. And this is the oddest part of it. We would rather believe the bad than the good. We would much rather believe Potiphar's wife than we would someone who has been proven to be a godly, trustworthy man. It's the oddest thing. And if you think for one second, by the way, that when you're walking with God, that God is going to protect you from this stuff and that this could never happen to you, you're a fool. He's plotting right now. He already has so many people in this room exactly where he wants them to be. He already has you in the middle of some sort of physical issue that he thinks he can use to take you out. I don't care whether it's seductive morally or seductive financially or seductive integrity-wise or seductive in, in whatever way. But he's got you exactly where he wants. When you come to ask for prayer from me, I'm joining my prayer with yours, and I'm believing it's going to happen. Have you already given up? Why are you giving up? It is a long obedience in the same direction. Once you believe that God is taking the issue in his hands, you can trust that it's going to work out for good. You got that? You got that? You got to believe that God wants to work it out for good. Joseph is completely sold out once again. I am sure that the entire community says, you can't trust that rascal. He shouldn't have started a church. He can't be trusted with anything. You got to believe the lies. You got to believe the made-up stories because she actually had a part of his garment. How in the world would she get his garment if something wasn't going on? The enemy is the master of making miraculously horrible things happen. Tapes and videos and robes and letters and lies and deceitfulness. This is what I say. Let's squash the devil this morning. Put him under your feet and say, you're not going to get me discouraged with my knee pains. God, you got me. You're not going to get me with my back pains. God has me. You're not going to get me discouraged because my kids don't come to church. God, you have me. He can do anything. I want to believe with you. And for people who walk in today, maybe for the first time, you say, I don't know, Pastor. I, I'm just not, I'm not quite sure that that's actually how it works. God is always at work around us. You must decide whether you're going to join him or not. Right? Now, I don't know if they're here today, but I was at Planet Fitness the other day working out, and I noticed these three Vietnamese kids again. And I'm leaving for Vietnam in a week. And, and they wear the Granville wrestling shirts, and so I've already talked to them before. So I was sitting on this machine, and I said, hey, guys, how you doing? And I asked him if he knew Sully Duffy, and he said, yeah, I know Sully on the wrestling team and blah, blah, blah. And, 
And I started talking to him about Vietnam, and he said his dad and his grandfather just flew back this week to where it's warmer for a while. And then as I was sitting there, there was a couple about my age sitting a little ways away, and I thought maybe they knew this kid or that was his parents or something, and I said, are you guys, no, we don't know them. We're waiting for your machine. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll get up. And as we were talking, it was interesting because God is always at work around us, how the man said that he was interested with that. That was Vietnamese kids, and he was a Vietnam wet, vet, wet. He got wet probably, but he was a Vietnam vet who had served two tours there, and we instantly were drawn to each other and we're having conversation together. There's nothing coincidental with God, nothing. You need to grab onto that right this second because you're not going to have an ounce of victory in your life until you realize that God is amazing and is always at work around you. And I am going to believe with every person that came down this aisle and prayed with me, I'm going to believe with every one of them that God has them. Your prayers are already answered because you're not going to give up. Joseph didn't give up. He sold out for the second time. If you know anything about ministry, you will understand this. The enemy wants everyone in ministry out of ministry. God is not the disqualifier. He is the qualifier. He wants you in. Yes, he does. He wants you in. As I was studying this morning, even before I came, I, I had written down some verses that I want to memorize on the Vietnam trip, and I always write notes, and I shared this with the praise team. And I think this applies to churches. There's a big difference in churches that share information and churches that experience transformation. Yes, 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 yes. All kinds of preachers are up sharing information that's very interesting and maybe good to build your knowledge so that you can be more screwed up and think you're really hot shot. There are no hot shots with God. And then I was listening to some music, and I ran into a song that I want to sing next week. And then a pop-up came up, but it was for a cooking class. And I said, I'm going to take that too. (laughs) God's always working around you. I love cooking. So there was a chef on there, and he has an online class. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Because Erica Van Otterloo told me that she wants to have her own restaurant. Now, that's my dream too, but maybe my dream, her dream is in my dream. See? It's a dream within a dream within a dream. And maybe I'll be too old to pastor and I'll just cook at her restaurant. I'm good with that. So you have no idea what God has planned for you. Joseph's not afraid. He actually understands the fear of God more than the fear of man. You came here today by God's divine design. He's already talking to you. Joseph was not a runner. He wasn't a runner. He took what God sent. You can run from what you're afraid of, but you'll be running for the rest of your life. A lot of people are running from something today, and depression is horrible right now in so many people's lives. And they don't know what to do. They're just downright depressed as if there's nothing to look forward to. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, please stay with me. You are feeling, fulfilling your destiny 
one decision at a time. Every decision you make is creating your destiny. You got to make a decision right now in this service. I am done with that. Mm -hmm. I am officially serving notice to you, Satan. I am done with that bitterness. I'm done with that wayward relationship between somebody that I used to be friends with and I'm now not friends with. That's over. I am done with being bitter about my family situation. Listen to me. You have no right suing your own family. You should be ashamed of yourself. Let me just say this, and I'm saying this specifically for someone who needs this. Why are you not letting that go? My brother, my younger brother, who was born when I was in college, manipulatively and dishonestly stole all of my inheritance and my other siblings' inheritance and has lived high off the hog with probably millions of dollars worth of stuff. And if you listen to this message, Tim, I don't care. I love you more than I love that stuff. Who cares? Why would I ruin my relationship with my family over physical stupidity? You better be convicted. You should be ashamed. That is absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to say this to somebody else in the room because I'm not up here to make you feel good or bad. If you have a relationship that is estranged with another Christian and you have any, any opportunity and it could be up to you to fix it, you best fix it. Because you have no idea what God might have to do to you if you won't. I don't even understand that. If anybody had a right to be mad about a situation or something going on in their life, it had to be Joseph. He only obeyed what his dad told him to do. He only took the authority that his father had legitimately given to him. And so Joseph goes with that coat of many colors, not realizing how desperately angry and bitter his brothers are because he's been elevated. You ought to rejoice in somebody else's elevation. Really, the Bible says in honor to prefer one another. Not to be jealous because he got more money or she stole my inheritance or whatever. Oh my gosh, what if you die today? You know what I have? I am so stinking rich, it's not even funny. You say, yes, I know, you live on that little lake over there in that house. Yes, and you, and you probably stole it all. Because that's what I saw online. So I don't care what you saw online, God knows the truth. I worked hard to get what I have. And I've never been jealous of anybody else, by the way, either. I have a wife that loves me unconditionally. And the devil's always trying to fight us because she's always running late on Sunday mornings. And I'm like, God, I'm in the car wanting to honk the horn so bad. I just like, and God said to me this morning, your son is sick. She's a mother. She's in there doing 52 things that he's demanding. I'd already gone in there and tried to help him with things, but he's still griping, and a mother cares. She loves me. I'm rich. And guess what? There's a little girl next to her with her husband over there, and they actually love me too. Sometimes I question whether Nick does, but I'm pretty... <laughs> 
No, I never question it. Never. And my daughter's having a baby, and I'm really excited. And Jill Aram had this little bag on my desk this week with a pillow in it. said, Grandpa and Grandma established to, let's see, what year is it? <laughs> my, and now my wife's going to get in the car afterwards and say, are you getting Alzheimer's? <laughs> no, I'm not getting Alzheimer's. Yeah, yes, I understand, honey, it is 2018. But it was actually established in 2017. Oh, there you go. Come on. The pillow's wrong. <laughs> pillow's wrong. You know this? I don't know when it was established. I don't want to know. <clears throat> but, but this is something. This is something. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was established. All right. You know, you, you know this, you know this for a fact, all, all the people in here want to be able to rejoice today. God's not fair. He's not unfair, and he's not fair. Because we wanted to have our own children, but that wasn't God's plan. And there are others in the room who would love to have their own children, and it might not be God's plan. Let me just say this to you. He'll walk you through this. You... You'll be okay. You will be okay. Yes, you will. I do understand this. And if you asked my wife and I, if we went back and had to deal with whether we would take Lexi as our child or have our own, we would take Lexi. Wouldn't we, hon? See, see, see. Stay, stay here. There are some people in here who have given up. You have given up on something already that God wants to prove to you he's not done with. you got to wait it out. Joseph now, of all things, Joseph is sent to prison. It, it makes no sense. Genesis 41. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And so what happens? Pharaoh was wroth against them against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And so what does he do? He throws them in jail. But if you love the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound, and in, if you're not careful, you'll miss the most important part of that verse. He put them in the prison, the house of the captain of the guard, and most commentators believe that the captain of the guard was Potiphar. Well, that gets interesting. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for the Pharaoh, and now he puts, he puts Joseph in his own prison, the place where he works. I'm already becoming suspicious of what's going on here. No, not really. Because in studying this, I realized something that has followed me all the days of my life. Through the good and the bad, the times when I wished I had parents that would help me, that at my college graduation, when no one in my family went to college, and I did at my college graduation, crying, wondering where my parents were, because they never came. And they weren't even busy. But God wanted me to know, you got me at your side. You can make it. Come on, ladies, ladies that are praying for your spouse. You can make it. Don't give up. God's going to do something. He's up to it already. 
And my wife was standing in line in graduation line at college, and she looked back at me knowing that I was severely disappointed, and she said, you got us. You got our family. You got me. Don't worry about that. Worry about this. The devil always tries those things. He tries distracting you. On the way into church today, we prayed all the way here. And as soon as we, Becky opened her car door there, and we always park. I have the whole praise team park somewhere else so you can park in here. I was, just dropped her off, and out of her purse, this big glass water canister smashed all over the driveway. And I just said, Satan, you're not getting me there. No way. Mm-mm. No way. The devil wants you to be discouraged today. There's a plan brewing. You got this? You understand this? There's a plan that's brewing right now. You got to grab on. Don't let go of this. Joseph went to prison in Potiphar's house. He was the captain of the guard. You know what I think? If he hated Joseph, he would have shipped him off to San Quentin. He didn't hate Joseph. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You really honestly think that he didn't know mama? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He knew mama had some issues. But it was either lose her and probably lose everything or make Joseph go to prison. But he didn't send Joseph far away. Sometimes God, I believe that everything that comes into your life this morning is due to either God desiring for you to grow or God allowing you to become bitter. You're either going to become bitter or better. <clears throat> Curious this morning. How many people are choosing better besides me? I'm choosing better. Mm -hmm. Here's how you do it. You kick the devil, you squash his head. You take the, the head of the serpent, you put your foot down him right now and say, you are not going to get me. I'm not turning against my friend. I'm not turning against my family. I'm not leaving my spouse. I'm not giving up on my daughters who need Jesus. I'm not going to give in to depression. I'm going to listen to the Spirit of God right now who says, I got you. I got you when you're in prison. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you don't even realize you are living the dream without even knowing it. You know what I'm saying? You won't even know what kind of dream you're living in until the person's not even around anymore. I was on the phone with Bill Bowman last night for about a half an hour because he had shoulder surgery, and now he's stuck in a chair with this contraption on for six weeks, not even able to move. And we talked and talked and talked, and I just said to him, Bill, I have watched people throughout the years of my ministry, 43 years, turn bitter toward God for far less than you've experienced. Three years ago, his daughter died in a tragic, foggy morning accident. He has had physical afflictions that you cannot imagine over these three years, and he literally lost his parents. I don't care how old you are, nobody is ready to give up their parents. No one. No one. They are precious. You do not want to lose them. And when they're gone, you know this is true. There's an element. And I just tried to encourage Bill because Bill is a light. 
Now, I'm older than him, actually, and I said to him, I know this may sound like I'm, this is maybe not a nice thing to say, but you're like a dad to me. You're like a dad, brother, best friend. You may never realize that you're in the middle of your dream right now, that your dream is actually coming to fruition. It says in verse 3, and he put him in a ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. I want you to repeat this after me. I'll read it, and then you'll repeat it after me. Sometimes I'm living my dream without even knowing it. Ready? Sometimes I'm living my dream without even knowing it. What do I mean? You already heard me tell you. I'm living my dream because I have a wife who loves me, despite who I am. Yes, we're healthy. She found out she had cancer last year. It's gone. My daughter has a baby in her womb. She's married to a wonderful man who is one of the pastors at this church. My boy may be home sick today, but he was the last one up here last week say, God's calling me to be a pastor. My daughter sits at home afflicted. They don't come to church together. They did come to church together about a month ago. I'm praying it's going to happen every Sunday. I'm living a dream right now, and so are you. You're just too busy being negative. You, you hear me? You get out of that negative funk you're in and you start praising God and the devil's going to run. The devil is going to flee. He's going to say, I don't have her anymore. I don't have him anymore. The Bible said in Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph. And, and so even it goes in prison because the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of the butler and the baker. Genesis 40, verse 4, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued to season an award. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. I mean, you got to see that God is constantly taking him out of the pits and putting him in the ritz. He actually was in charge of the prison. It's hard to find people you trust these days. Woo, come on, Joseph. Go, go, go. You didn't get discouraged. You didn't give up. You kept going. And the Bible says, and he served them. He served the butler and the baker while he was there. Now, way back in biblical days, there, there was such a, th- a thing as dream interpretation. Onoromancy, it was called. If I don't know how you pronounce it, but it was the reader of dreams the person who actually interpreted dreams. And so what you see here is now you're on the verge of him taking care of the butler and the baker who were right access to the pharaoh all the time. The butler was actually the cupbearer. He sipped the cup to make sure it wasn't poison before he gave it to the pharaoh. And the baker was responsible for all the food to taste it and make sure that he wouldn't get poison. And something happened while they were there that the pharaoh didn't trust them and he threw them in prison because God was making a way. God was making a way. God was making a way. He was making a way. He's making a way right now, if you'll believe. He's got you in a prison of something, but he's making a way and you're not giving up. We ought to have people shouting. I ought to have an organ vibrating right now. (laughs) Praise God. God is making a way. God is making a way for you. You want to believe that with me? Yeah, 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 you do. Why are you sitting there, but you're dead Baptists? 
says in verse 5, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in prison. See, Joseph was actually living his dream because this is what I think. I think downside in Joseph was a man, a young man, 17 years old, who wanted nothing more than to be a servant. He wanted nothing more than to lead his family, to be a leader. And whenever you step forward and you, you, you are a leader, whenever you step forward and say, I'm going to do what the pastor says, people will say, you're just a little measly kiss butt, brown noser. You just say those things so the pastor will like you more, the boss will like you more. I know your type. Join the bitter bang gang. That's us. Really? That's not Joseph. Joseph's thinking, well, if you're going to elevate me to that point, I'm going to point people to God. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to point people to God because he had an opportunity now to get into the baker and the butler's world. See, some people are mad because they've lost command over their existence. It's a proven fact in, in reading this week about groups of people were, that were POWs. I've been to Vietnam enough times where I've been to the Hanoi Hilton. The very tip of the country is the capital in, in the Hanoi Hilton. That's where the Viet Cong were. That's the worst um, murderous warriors for Vietnam that you could find. There was an, a hotel, a Hilton hotel, that they actually made into their prison. If you go to the hotel, you'll find this massive door and walls that the top of them are lined with huge pieces of glass and steel sticking up and barbed wire rolled. And it was where our prisoners went, or prisoners of war were taken there. I was so blown away just being in there, I can't get the visual things out of my head. They had these concrete beds that were angled like this. And you could see where American prisoners had been in there so long that the concrete was actually worn out from their rear end and their feet but not from their head because they put their feet up on the high end of the concrete bed and let them all the blood rush to their head. And so they would lay there hours on end trying to bend up, not feeding them, not taking them to the restroom, letting them urinate and feces all over themselves. And they had pictures of it until they would literally become skeletons in, in anchored um, steel. I still see that. Prison, imprisoned by hate. And what the POWs called people that died was give it up itis. Give up itis. They just gave up. They found that there was a group of men that were there that decided that they would have to have daily discipline or they'd never live through it. So they literally would count the bugs in their cell and see how long they lasted. They would start a, a secret code message by tapping on the door or the wall and communicating with their friends. They would work out every day just to stay alive because they weren't going to give up. I picture Joseph as being one of those kind of people. He would have been a survivor. They say that these type of people 
who died in those kinds of places had lost command over their existence. And those who lived had managed to reassert a sense of command over their future. That was Daniel. He resolved not to defile himself with the king's meat. It was Peter and the other apostles who refused to accept a gag order against preaching the gospel. It was Paul and Silas in the jail at Philippi at night that were singing at the top of their lungs, chained in a rotten, rat-infested cell. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to learn to lead where we're at. We need to learn. Verse 6 says, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. i got to finish the whole message here in just a, a couple moments. So I'm going to cut way back to people up there in the booth. One thing you learn out of this for sure is that you lead in servants' clothes. You lead in slaves' clothes. Now, I don't understand this totally. But see, God raises up leaders who have learned how to make it through the most difficult circumstances. Because I think when you're bored to death, you're just out doing bad, bad stuff. Yes, 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 yes. You are out doing bad stuff. All these women marching yesterday, shame on them. Package them up in a bunch of planes, cargo planes, and take them to Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Saudi Arabia. Or Iraq, or better yet, Iran. Send Whoopi Fatberg over to send her and her big mouth over to Syria. You say, that's mean. That is not mean. That is deserved. Yes? Oh, Pastor, you don't talk about political issues. You don't talk about these kinds of things. I do. I do because we need to understand. We are living in a messed up culture. Marching in the streets in the greatest land you could ever imagine. Guess what? I can leave here today. I can walk down that aisle and I can go out and get a car that actually runs. And on the way home, I can whip through Arby's and have a lot of sliders <laughs> with, with my choice of about five different amazing sauces. Because God forbid that we shouldn't have sauces nowadays. It would be a disaster. No ranch, life is over. No ranch, I'm serious. If there's no ranch to kids, chicken strips are dead. It's just dead. No Taco Bell, we're in hell. Dirk will stop living without Taco Bell. He ceases to exist. You ever notice how the Taco Bell drive through line is never empty? What they don't realize is they're eating all the parts of animals nobody touches. They grind them up, put taco sauce on them, and you don't even know. I'm, I'm sure. I'm positive. I'm not even trying to be funny. You don't understand what it is to lead and be a leader until you've had to follow. See, I see Joseph as being the guy that follows. 
Years ago, there was a song called Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Sucks. It's, I listen to it online. I'm like, God, when was music ever that bad? It says this. If I could be you, if you could be me, for just one hour, if we could find a way to get inside each other's mind, if you could see you through my eyes instead of your own ego, I believe you'd be. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Just walk a mile in my shoes. Before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, then walk a mile in my shoes. Now if we spend the day throwing stones at one another, because I will think, because I will think, to wear my hat the same way you do, well, I may be common people, but I'm your brother, and when you strike out, you're trying to hurt me, it's hurting you. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, walk a mile in my shoes. You know, the best part of having the, the, the anointing with oil is this. I'm walking in shoes today. I'm walking in shoes with all the people who prayed with me. Mm-hmm. With all of the people, the hunters who are concerned about issues, I'm with them. Yes. The Nashers who are concerned about issues, I'm with them. With Michelle Hall, who's concerned about her daughters coming to Christ, I'm with her. They're going to come here and they're going to get saved and they're going to get healed. And her daughter's not going to be depressed because she's going to walk this aisle, walk a mile in my shoes, and I'm going to tell you this. Get over the depression. It's way better without it. Just God can take you out of that, can't he? He can take you out of that. See, you know how you get elevated? God elevates you when you are able to do right in slaves' clothes and lead the way. Live the dream even when you don't see the dream. Number two, work while you're living in Egypt. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened that the works of God would be displayed in him. While it is daytime, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Listen to me. The times that you're in the prison are the times you can shine the most for God. Lead. Work while you're living in Egypt. Why have you given up? Don't let your back be the reason why you can't lead. Tell the devil, you get out. You get out. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Get out because I'm going to do something for God. Your success in life as a believer is not going to be determined so much by your blessings in Israel, but by your faithfulness in Egypt. When things are going good, anybody can talk good. Oh, praise the Lord. Everything's so wonderful. I went to Target yesterday, and they had, oh, my gosh, they had a clearance sale on Halloween stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> Halloween. Who gives a rip about Halloween? The stuff we praise God for. What? It's ridiculous. How about this? How about people in the room who ask for prayer today are going to get healed? Because I believe it. Because they're going to come back down this aisle and they're going to say, I was healed. I, I, never accepted, I never accepted that my wife would have terminal cancer. I said no, and I still say it. Yes. Lead when you're in prison. 
Be a testimony when you're in Egypt, not just when you're in Israel. And one last thing, keep singing in the dungeon. Keep singing down there in a dungeon because you're going to be tempted not to. So you had two men who had dreams. I got to close this in 10 minutes ago. It's okay. You're used to it. You'll live through it. I notice some of you don't come until like 1030 anyway. You know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You're saying, I don't need to be there for all that music. All they're going to do is Nick's going to dance around and, and Dirk's going to dance around and, and Erica's going to be floating out in some spiritual world. And I, I, don't need, I, don't, I don't need to be in there for all that stuff. It's all fake. Anyway. No, it isn't fake. You might get blessed. Oh, yeah. Okay, listen to me. Two dreams. Two different guys. First guy, Butler, has a dream. And it's a dream about these vines that grow up and these grapes that grow off them and how he squeezes them in the cup of the Pharaoh. And, and good old Joseph interprets the dreams. He said, I know what the dream is. He says it in front of the baker who's listening to this whole deal over there. He says, the dream is this. You are going to go back to the palace and the Pharaoh is going to lift up your head with anointing, a sign of redemption. The goddess redemptive. You're going to be re-elevated back to your old position. Baker comes over and he says, I had a dream too. I got a basket on my head and it's got a bunch of loaves of bread that I baked. And blah, 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 he tells the dream and how this is supposed to happen. And, and, and good old Joseph, who's not afraid to speak the truth... He says, your basket is indicative of your own works. It's on your head. You're using your intellect to get back in the good. In three days, you will be hung. Your head will be lifted up, but it will not to be re-elevated. It will be in a noose. This is what I choose. You get your choice right now today. You get lifted up. Well, God gets lifted up. You understand the plan of God to bring you here today? You didn't just coincidentally come here. God brought you here to prove to you and to say to you, I'm a redemptive God. You ought to be a redemptive person. Yes, yes, yes. You ought to forgive everybody. Reconnect with people who you've been bitter about. Forget inheritance money. Or I would never have forgiven my brother. I'd much rather have my brother love me than have millions of dollars. I'm not just saying it. I am rich. I'd much rather have a right relationship with my entire family. I call my sister. She wants a reunion. God's working in my household. He's restoring to me the years the locusts have stolen. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of him lying to me. I'm sick of him making me think that I should be bitter against my previous church. I'm sick of him controlling my thoughts, thinking you have every right to be angry. What I'm asking for right now, I'm walking right down here. I'm asking for total honesty. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to the word that God has for you. We pray that you go out into the world now and you live differently, you act differently, and you love differently.